Hello, Debbie Hazelton with you, and it's another edition of On the Inside Track. This is a different kind of an edition. Every now and then, I bring on somebody that I just happen to find, and I love their work, and this is one of those cases. This is the work of Dr. Bradley Nelson, author of The Emotion Code. The Emotion Code is a wonderful self-help tool that anyone can use and get tremendous relief from emotional baggage. You know, many of you have heard me talk about different kinds of emotions playing havoc with our lives and all the different ways that we can work to feel better. Well, this is one way because emotions can stay trapped in our bodies and in our energy field. And with this tool that is accessible, we can work with muscle testing. And there are lots of ways to do muscle testing to access and find and clear various emotions without having to go through lots of re-experiencing of them. It's really a tremendous thing when clearing emotions changes the whole landscape, the whole horizon of our lives. I know this, and I know this for many of my clients who I've helped with all kinds of other forms of energy work over the years. I can't even keep clients needing my services for very long anymore because they get what they need and get on with their lives feeling better. You can go to discoverhealing.com and find sample chapters of the book and all of the charts can be downloaded for free. I was able to actually put them into Braille for myself. You can also go to Compass Healing on YouTube and find lots of videos where he and some of his practitioners who have been certified go through, oh gosh, demonstrations and discussions about many aspects of this work. It is wonderful. I encourage you to go to his other links and find out more. This book is on Audible and I did go and purchase it there. It is on Bookshare and an earlier version of it is read on YouTube, but that is not as expanded as what is out there now. So many thanks to Dr. Brad and to his staff, his customer service people, his assistant, Jana Carter, and others who work for and with him. Many, many thanks. And here we go. Thanks so much for being here. I am absolutely honored. I've heard you say it's the best energy work on the planet. I think it's the easiest energy work that's available, and I think it's the simplest. I notice you're very generous with it. It is truly self-help, as well as something for practitioners. But you have been extremely generous with this work. Well, you know, I believe that uh, this work has really come from up above to me. And so um, for many, many years, we made it available. You could download it as an ebook for free. That helped to get the word out to many, many people. Um, we eventually sold the rights to the book um, in the English language to St. Martin's Press. And um, so we can't give it away for free anymore, but people can still buy it. And we, we still give away, they, they allow us to give away a couple of, you know, the first chapters, uh, first two chapters of the book for free. 
but it's simple enough and it's easy enough that uh, kids can learn how to do it. And the world has to change. And emotional baggage is this enormous um, unrecognized problem that we all deal with that is diminishing all of our lives and is interfering with uh, our abilities to really manifest the life that we're all capable of manifesting. And we have to, we have to get rid of our emotional baggage to really be able to manifest who we are. Why do you think emotional baggage is such a crucial problem now? Or do, is it more so than ever before, do you think? Well, I, I think that that's possible. Um, I mean, if you look, at, uh, you look at the world now and you look at uh, how much chaos there is going on and how, um, uh, how short people's tempers are and uh, how little love there is in the world, uh, what we find is that, um, especially with the, the heart itself, uh, the human heart is a second brain. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, back in the 1960s when doctors started doing heart transplants, they started finding that people would come back relaying strange things, uh, reporting that they had new taste in music or food or sports or, um, or that they had memories of places now after their transplant uh, of places that they had never been in their lives, but that now they have memories of being in those places. Uh, sometimes their handwriting would totally change. And in every case, when they were taken to the family of the donor and connected with them, they would find out, oh, yes, that's our son's handwriting that you have now. How strange is that? Or, yes, our daughter was a concert violinist. That must be why you love classical music now and why, and those passages that you're telling us that you can't get out of your head, those were her favorite passages. Mm -hmm. uh, really uh, amazing things. And um, so we now know that the heart is really a, uh, a second brain. It puts out uh, 60 to 1,000 times more electromagnetic energy than the brain that's in our head. So it's easily the most powerful organ in the body. And um, they have found also that uh, the brain that is in our heads is really obeying the messages sent by the brain that's in our hearts. And so the most important part of the emotion code is how our emotional baggage can form into a wall around our heart and can then interfere with our ability to give and receive love and also interfere with our ability to really manifest uh, that best life uh, that lies within the heart of each one of us. And so when that wall is taken down and the instructions on how to do that are in the emotion code book yes. itself. Mm -hmm. um, when that wall is taken down, people fall in love uh, who never thought they would. Uh, people get well who never thought they would. People have creative ideas that start to flow that never thought they would. People feel the love of the creator for them when they had never felt that love for them before. So um, it's a tremendously powerful thing. I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that something like this could go on, that the subconscious mind, when you feel like your heart is going to break, will actually put up a wall to protect the heart mm -hmm. made of your emotional baggage, like the layers of an onion. I never would have imagined that. It's crazy. But that's yeah. what goes on. You've told wonderful stories that I've listened to on several of your YouTube videos, and, and I want to put your link um, out there for people to go and please discover all these wonderful uh, videos out there. The stories that you have about people's lives changing the anger that they're no longer driven by and right. 
Oh, incredible. I heard you say, I thought 90% and 96% of what goes on with people's health is um, emotional in, in part. Well, uh, 90, I believe from my own experiences and from the people that uh, are doing the emotion code around the world, we have about 5,600 uh, certified emotion code practitioners now in about 70 Wonderful. countries. What we're finding all over the world is the same thing, and that is that about 90 or so percent of the mm -hmm. physical pain that people have is actually due to their emotional baggage. And so when we remove their emotional baggage, when we release those trapped emotions, the physical pain will often just instantly disappear. And um, every couple of weeks, typically, um, I'll do a, a webinar um, about that where we, we just take people at random who call in from different countries and different parts of the world and uh, we'll take a volunteer. And I don't like to talk to anybody unless they've had physical pain for at least six months and it's at least a seven on a zero to 10 scale. And we can mm -hmm. usually get them to a zero within maybe 10 minutes or so, just by releasing their emotional baggage. Your technique, it doesn't require people to experience the emotions necessarily either. No, that's correct. Um, with the emotion code, what we do is uh, we teach a number of different methods to tap into the subconscious mind because it is, it is the subconscious mind that has all the information in there about what, uh, what emotional baggage we have and what's going on with our bodies. And so we tap into that using muscle testing. There are different methods we use. We are all kinds of different tests that you can use. But there are YouTube videos about muscle testing. There are books on kinesiology on Bookshare and other places. But basically, what you want to do with muscle testing is to ask the body yes and no questions. And you want to do something, and I'll give you some ideas here in a minute. You want to do something to get your body to give you, show me a yes and show me a no, so you get clear answers of what the communication is with your body between yes and no. And then you wanna, you might ask other questions. You might ask, am I, like in my case, am I Debbie Hazelton? I would get a yes. Is my name Mickey Mouse? Well, I'd want to make sure I get a no. And then you want to... Uh, you can do other things. I've watched YouTube videos with Dr. Brad where he gets people to think of love and feel the way the body moves. Think of war and feel the way the body moves. So um, there are ways of doing it even just with fingers uh, where you make an O with your thumb and your first finger and you put two fingers in the middle of that O from the other hand and you see if they hold strong or if they weaken. The yes holding strong is the yes, the weakening is the no. Um, one of my favorites with other people is, and I guess I've done it with myself as well, is to do what I learned in the body talk system, and that is to put my one hand under my other wrist and then ask if I, a yes is where my wrist will, my hand at that wrist joint will um, come up almost, 
you know, raise up and the no is where that wrist joint will stay solid. Um, that's one way. Uh, another really a favorite way, and I learned it as the body pendulum. Dr. Brad talks about it in his book as the sway technique, and it works wonderfully. Um, you can stand, he says, stand with your hands at your side, and uh, yes, when you ask a question, your body will move forward. A no is your body will lean back. Now, some people hold something like a bottle of pills. Is this good for me? And if it's good, the body says yes, and and not good, the body may say no. And then what you can also do is you can say, if this is good for me, do I need one of these? Well, maybe yes. Do I need two of these? Might be a yes, maybe no. Do I need three of these? Might be a yes, might be a no. Am I, should I take this once a day, twice a day, or three times a day? Go for yes and no. I have had um, situations where other people and I have independently, without knowing each other was going to do this, asked certain questions and gotten the same answers. So it's pretty incredible. But um, there are a lot of other ways to muscle test, but I wanted to give you a couple that you can do without the ability to see and that you can can do independently. So I hope this helps. The, uh, the bottom line is that when you ask a question of the subconscious mind, the body will manifest the response. And that response will be manifested as either a, a strong muscle test for yes or a weak muscle test for no. And so, um, so that's how we ask the subconscious mind questions. And then we ask about uh, if there's a trapped emotion that's contributing to this issue. And if there is, then we have a chart of emotions. And we ask if it's in column A or B, in an odd row or an even row. And so we can identify the emotion usually within less than a minute of just asking questions and then zeroing in. Then we find the emotion. And then uh, we ask simply if we need to know more about this. Sometimes we have to dig a little bit deeper. But the beautiful thing about it is the subconscious mind within every single one of us and within, uh, within every animal also I know. Yeah. knows exactly uh, what's going on with that individual, with that animal. And so when we tap into that subconscious mind, we're literally just opening the subconscious mind like a book and asking questions in the simplest way that we possibly can to get to the answer as fast as we can. And once we find the answer, we can release that imbalance and usually... Um, there's a change in people's uh, symptom picture, uh, and um, it, it often happens right away. Sometimes it takes more time. It just depends, but uh, it's a matter. It's it's that like the old uh, the old idea of the onion. You know, peeling off the layers of the onion, and pretty soon there aren't any more layers to peel off. And what if the person who's answering or having the muscle testing done is resisting? Healing work really of any kind always works best when the person that, uh, that is hoping to be helped is hoping to be helped <laughs> and, and, and is a willing participant. I mean, this isn't the kind of thing that you can do uh, very well with people that aren't willing to be helped. Mm -hmm. And not everybody is open and not everybody is willing to be helped. And sometimes That's we have true. people who come to us who say, you know, I, I really want to help my husband or I really want to help my my daughter, but um, they're not open or they're not willing. And 
it's okay. You need to allow people to have their own free agency and uh, to allow them to choose when they want to get better. And if they don't want to get better right now, then that's fine. And the bottom line, you know, really, um, Debbie, is that uh, if people aren't willing to be helped, mm-hmm. uh, if they don't want to get help, then um, you can do all kinds of things for them. And you might be the greatest healer in the world, but if they don't want to be helped, they're not going to be helped. By the same token, um, people who, for example, are told by their medical doctor that they're going to die, that there's no hope for them, um, oftentimes they die. And um, sometimes I think needlessly because uh, the subconscious mind is so powerful. If they really truly believe they Mm -hmm. can't get well or that they're going to die no matter what, they often do. The point that I'm trying to make there is that if you really believe you're going to die, probably will. Does the body always tell the truth? Well, muscle testing is not 100% accurate. There isn't anything on earth that is 100% accurate. And muscle testing is not 100% accurate either. What you have to understand is that the subconscious mind of the individual is a bit like a puppy in that it, it wants to please you. And so what we, what we teach everyone is that when you're testing someone with muscle testing, it's very important to not have some kind of preconceived idea uh, of what it is you want to have show up because the subconscious mind of the individual that you're working with, their subconscious mind is communicating with your subconscious mind as the practitioner. And, uh, and so there's already this conversation going on. And if you as the practitioner or as the person doing the healing um, if you expect that you're going to find a certain thing, then uh, the muscle testing can make it come out that way. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful of that. Um, and that's a lot of people don't realize that about muscle testing, but it's, it's a very important aspect of muscle testing that you just that we deal with, and it's not a big deal, but you have to be aware of it. Yes, I remember hearing you talk about uh, certain people who have a theme and they start seeing that in everyone and sometimes yeah just like anything that's that could be our stuff Um, yeah exactly right you know a a great example of this actually happened to me Um, my wife and I had four girls that were I think four and two and then my wife had twins and twin boys and when they were about two years old uh, she was just feeling like okay my life is overwhelming completely. I'm not having any more kids, that's it. And then all of a sudden in that moment, in her mind's eye, there was this little girl right there in front of her. And she could, she could see her in her mind's eye. And she was a little, little brunette girl. And she was saying, you mean you're not going to have me? Oh, I love it. Oh, and my gosh. Right? And my wife thought, oh, no. Well, okay, no, it's fine. You, you know, we'll have you. So then uh, a few months later, my wife gets pregnant. And so we thought, oh, it's the little girl. This is going to be so much fun. And um, now I used to have women who would come to me when I was in practice just for me to test them to see what sex their baby was going to be. And I was 98% accurate, which is, I think is at least as good as ultrasound, maybe a little better. Um, but I didn't have any vested interest in the outcome. It didn't matter to me if it was a boy or a girl. Now, in this case, suddenly, we thought that this pregnancy was going to result in the birth of this little girl. And we were excited about it, and we wanted the girl to come, and so on. And so the muscle testing, all through that pregnancy, I would test my wife periodically. It always showed, oh, yes, it's going to be a girl. 
the baby is coming. Yes, it's going to be a girl. And then, so my wife had the baby at home. And after the baby was born, um, you know, her legs were crossed. And I'm counting all the fingers and toes to make sure everything is there, you know. And, uh, and so uh, her legs are crossed. So I, I pried her legs apart, you know, just to make sure everything looked okay. And it turned out to be Joseph. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been had <laughs> and so so then the next baby I was more careful but it turned out to be Ian and then we finally got Lizzie at the very tail oh. end oh so we, we ended up having eight um, oh wow okay yeah so eight total so you have to be careful about that but muscle testing is a, is um, it's very very accurate as long as you know its limitations so I notice okay the columns is there a reason why certain, why are those things in column A versus column B? And is there a reason why certain rows of what's in them? And I notice you have organs with each row, right? Oh, sure. The emotion code chart, it consists of two columns mm -hmm. and six rows. Now, right. on the left side, that there are... Um, that each row contains um, some other information. For example, in row one, it also lists heart or small intestine, row two, mm -hmm. stomach, and so on. Uh, so what happens is that, um, you see, anciently, the, um, the acupuncturists in the ancient world believed that uh, the emotions are produced by the organs and the glands of the body, and that's exactly what we believe. We believe they were ex uh, absolutely right. And so emotional, uh, the emotions that we experience are energy and they're frequencies. Mm -hmm. So every emotion is a certain frequency, a certain vibration of energy. And so, for example, anger is a different frequency than crying, and that's different from despair, and that's different from heartache, and that's different from shame. They're all different. But when you're feeling an emotion that's very powerful, the energy of that emotion can become trapped in the body and... and um, it's like a little ball of energy from about the size of a baseball to about the size of a softball. And we call that a trapped emotion. And literally, that's our emotional baggage. To answer your question, the reason why it's divided up into column A and column B is simply to make it easier to find the emotion. In other mm -hmm. words, we could just have one column. Mm -hmm. um, we could combine column A and column B for each row, and it wouldn't really matter. Okay. Um, but you wouldn't want to move emotions from row one to row two. When we're actually testing somebody and we want to ask if there's a trapped emotion, uh, we'll ask, we start off by asking if it's in column A or column B. And if we find out if it's in column A, then we'll ask, well, is it in one of the odd rows in column A? Mm -hmm. And that narrows it down. Um, if that's a yes, we have 15 emotions left. Or if it's a no, we have 15 emotions left, but they're mm -hmm. in the even rows. Mm -hmm. So uh, so pretty quickly, we can zero in on a certain column and row, and that narrows it down to five emotions, and then we can ask which one of those it is, and, um, and then the subconscious mind will tell us. And if, we, and if we are taken to a column in a row and we can't identify the emotion, then it's usually because that emotion was inherited at conception from mom or dad, so we can find those as well, and sometimes those can go back for generations, but your subconscious mind has all that information, doesn't it? So Has anybody ever said it came from past lives? Well, you know, um, with, with past lives, w the way we look at that is it kind of depends on what a person believes. Okay. Um, and so, so, yes, we do find emotions mm -hmm. that are prior to your conception. 
Right. And we call those preconception emotions. Now, for people who believe in past lives, um, then they may and show up as coming so, from a past life. Sure. What I personally believe, my own, my own, yeah, my own personal belief about this is that I believe that that um, we each have been to this world before mm -hmm. uh, as uh, as uh, in the form of an angel guiding someone else through this mortal experience. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how we look at it. So mm -hmm. in a sense, yes, that is a past life. I, I just have my own sort of take on sure. it. Sure. But the, in any case, it, the fact is, however it is, that some of them are before this life, right? I mean, that's what you're... Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. Uh, we, we bring emotional energy into this life, whether it was from, um, you know, from, Wherever. from the yeah. life of an ancestor, yeah, and, and we've inherited mm -hmm. that, it's been passed down to us, or whether it was some experience we had ourselves before mm -hmm. conception. Yeah, either way, I mean... Either way. Uh, you we still all have lived it. before. And I've heard you talk about somebody going back 12 generations, oh, or yeah. maybe more. Yeah, about the furthest I've ever seen one myself go back, because I think about 35 generations mm -hmm. or so. Uh, mm -hmm. That's For me, that's pretty unusual. Uh, it's not too uncommon to see one go back maybe 10 or 20. Um, so, yeah, you just, yeah. you just fix whatever you find. But the organs that are listed, it seems to me in a way that our emotions, they have lives of their own. And maybe even our cells are filled with uh, worker bees, divisions of labor, where those emotions are all uh, playing themselves out in a sense. Well, you know, it's, um, it's a fascinating thing. These bodies of ours are are so intelligent uh, it's it's beyond our ability to really comprehend think about this mm -hmm. uh the average cell uh scientists say is equivalent in complexity to a full-size aircraft carrier with jets wow. with their engines on the ramp mm. engines going ready to take off with ten thousand people working on board at all their different jobs uh that's a single cell now, you multiply that, uh, the average adult, they say, has about 137 trillion cells. Okay. And uh, your subconscious mind knows what's going on with every single one of those cells down to the quantum level and probably beyond that. Mm -hmm. uh, your subconscious mind knows if your DNA is happy. Uh, we've seen DNA changes happen uh, instantaneously when... Uh, especially inherited uh, emotional energies are passed down that have altered DNA, and we've seen uh, we've seen genetic conditions change because uh, because of releasing the emotional energies, especially that have been passed down, down, down. So um, wow. it's a fascinating thing. Every fascinating. I believe that every split second of our lives is absolutely, literally a miracle. That um, these bodies of ours are nothing but pure energy, right? Mm -hmm. Scientists say that our bodies are 99.9999999% empty space. And in fact, um, some scientists recently figured out that if you could take all the empty space out of every individual person on the planet's body, you could fit all 7 billion of us into the space um, of a sugar cube. Oh my gosh. 
That is would, incredible. Right, it would be crowded, but we'd all be in there. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. Do you think that, that all of these cells and divisions of what's going on in them are all communicating? With each oh, other. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's definitely mm -hmm. communication going on. and There's communication going on that we haven't really even, that science hasn't really identified yet. Mm -hmm. But through muscle testing, what we know is that um, the heart is sending communications to every cell, not just the brain, but to every cell in the body. Your heart is communicating to everything, every part of you all the time. And uh, so this is one of the things I found when I was in practice during the last 10 years, I was in practice for about 20 years, give or take, and um, 17 years in a brick and mortar practice. And mm -hmm. during those years, during the last 10 years of that practice, most of the people that I saw had been told there was really no help for them, no cure for them at all. And yet um, the vast majority of them were able to get well. Now, one of the keys to getting them well was removing their emotional baggage and specifically one of the keys was removing that wall around the heart and what I found when I would test people uh, that people would come in to see me and they would have these major hopeless problems and I would test them I would find that in many cases uh, they would have imbalances in every organ and every gland and so on and what I found is that when I would work on the heart first and clear that wall remove all the emotional baggage all those layers around their mm. heart and then I would recheck them. Uh, in many cases, most of those organs and glands would be turned back on again. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Fascinating. Really it is. It is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know that you uh, were resistant to using magnets for a while. I think you said your brother helped so much with getting you into using them. And uh, it was a great story in your book. Uh, and then I've also heard some other videos where uh, you talk about that magnets aren't always necessary and that there are other ways. So I wondered if you'd talk about that. Right. Well, um, yes, it's, it's an interesting story. My, uh, my brother got involved in this uh, Japanese company called Niken back in the mm -hmm. early 1990s, and he started contacting me and and I wasn't interested at all. I, I was doing fine in my practice and I just, I'd been involved with him and other business things before and uh, network marketing businesses. You mm -hmm. know, so, um, I wasn't interested in this one. And, uh, but finally, uh, I tried uh, one of their magnets and had an amazing uh, result with a patient of mine. And so I started using their magnets and it was, uh, it was, really because of their magnets, they, they played an, uh, a very integral role in, in uh, helping me to discover and develop this uh, methodology of the emotion code and the body code as well. Um, but when I was writing the emotion code book, uh, I was telling people about magnets, writing in the book, and then I realized, you know, people are going to be able to buy the book for $20, but then I'm telling them that they're going to have to go and spend $90 to buy a magnet. And I thought, you know, and see, I had never really tried any other magnets. I knew these magnets worked mm -hmm. and you could release trapped emotions and they worked every time, but I'd never really tried any other magnets. And so I started trying other magnets. And uh, what I found out is that uh, any kind of magnet works, uh, any strength of magnet, mm -hmm. very strong ones, very weak ones, they all work. 
Um, any polarity doesn't matter. Plus, minus, positive, negative doesn't matter. And uh, and in fact, we now know that if you um, if you don't have a magnet, you use your hand because your hand is also magnetic. It's putting out a, a biomagnetic field. And the convenient thing about your hand is that you usually have it with you. And so um, it's usually right there available. So now are you telling people more about using hands or are you, or is there any benefit still to using magnets? Well, um, the benefit to using a magnet, I think, is, uh, is primarily more for people who are just starting out. Okay. And um, and because a lot of people feel like they need a little something extra to to raise their level of faith and belief, and so if they've got a magnet, that mm -hmm. kind of helps them. Okay. And the magnets, uh, a magnet will uh, magnify that intention that that person has. Mm -hmm. But uh, after a while, you get to a point where you realize you don't really need a magnet. I mean, if I have a magnet laying around and I and I'm going to be releasing something I'll go ahead and grab the magnet or not it doesn't really matter either way mm -hmm. so we've mm -hmm. we've kind of moved away from that uh, uh, focus as much mm -hmm. as we had it before well in a way that makes it so that uh, you're really empowering people that the that it comes from within well Both it totally within. does yeah. yeah it's it's all about your intention really mm -hmm. I mean Really honestly, Debbie, when you, when you wrap your mind around this work and you start using it for a while, you start to realize things, uh, maybe after a year or two or maybe five or ten, that um, you can actually do this in your mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are, uh, for example, if you can imagine, really, you know, passing a magnet mm -hmm. down someone's back, that will also release the trapped emotion. Uh, these minds of ours, our subconscious minds are so incredibly powerful that we can do things that... Uh, that we're only now beginning to discover. Um, one of the things that you can do too, in, uh, for example, in Korean hand acupuncture, um, you can use the middle finger because it represents the head and the neck and you can just swipe down that a few times to release a trapped emotion. Um, you can swipe down the back of the ear if you want to because the, the mm -hmm. spine is also represented there. The, uh, the ear uh, looks like a photo uh, or a picture of an upside down fetus with the head at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, that's how the acupuncturists look at it. So you can go, uh, you can go up or down the outside of that uh, ear, and it's equivalent to going up and down the governing meridian on the back of the spine. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's all just so well, interesting. And it's the same with muscle testing, as you've said, and I've experienced that when you ask, a lot of times the answer is there in your mind even before you're getting the yes. response from the muscle testing. So it's, it is yes. about that inside job kind of thing. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and that's why in the book we talk about how um, muscle testing is like training wheels for mm -hmm. your intuition. Mm -hmm. and, and so, uh, for example, my daughter, um, she used muscle, she's 19 now, I think she learned how to do the muscle testing when she was about 12 or 13, and she used it for about a month and then realized, I don't really need to do this. The answers mm -hmm. are right there in my head, and she hasn't done any muscle testing since then mm -hmm. and, um, and gets great results with her friends yeah. and her friends' parents and so on. So, yeah. so yes, if you, um, if you listen to that, that little voice, that little bit of mm -hmm. pure knowledge that comes to you just before you get the answer, 
uh, you'll know that's what it is. And it's an interesting thing, you know, at our events, typically there will be people that will come up to me and they'll say, you know, you, you, were, you were doing that demonstration on that person and just before you would find the emotion, I would know what it was going to mm -hmm. be. See? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because truth is truth. And, uh, and the more tuned in you are to that frequency, uh, the more able you are to hear um, what the message is. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of like uh, tuning our bodies into a, a particular radio station and tuning our minds really into that, that little voice. And mm -hmm. what we have found is that... Um, when you ask for help from up above, if you believe in a higher power, which we, uh, which I definitely believe in, I, if you if you ask for help, then you're much more likely to get that help. And um, well, I know that was a very important one of the first things of your own story was about finding that to be true. And and all your stories of how you came into this are absolutely wonderful. They're they're really wonderful. I hope people will go and and hear them and read them. So I wonder. I know you're you're certifying lots of people. I know you also have the the body code and um, what's on the horizon. What's next for you? Oh gosh, well we have a lot of things going on. We've got um, we've got a big team of uh, about typically thirty two to between thirty two to thirty five people working for us just in our own company, and we have other companies that are working on the outside. And we have we've got some big things. Uh, going on um, that I probably don't want to say about. yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah. Well, <laughs> it just, it generates a lot of tickets for our customer support staff. Mm -hmm. what happens if sure. I, yeah. You know, if I jump the gun, but we do have some exciting things going on. We are going to be, um, we, we, we have a motion code certification now for people who, um, who want to really master this. And it also gives them the opportunity then to do it for a living if they want to or to make an additional income. And that's a prerequisite to body code certification. And, um, and then we're going to have higher levels of that as well. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. have a couple more levels leading to mastery uh, levels in the, uh, in the body code. So we're very excited about all that. And that brought in your computer programming knowledge, did it not? I'm oh, you're talking about the body code? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, exactly right. See, when... Um, uh, when I discovered computers in 1980, um, I was really just smitten, and I became a <laughs> total computer nerd. Mm -hmm. um, my wife and I were married, I think, for three years before we even had a couch to sit on, but we had a computer, so that'll give you an idea <laughs> yep. what, what that poor woman has been through. <laughs> oh, but she I'd love to hear her in your videos, by the way. She's yeah. wonderful. She's really amazing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yes, I was very involved in computers. Well, when I got into practice, and, and see, it helped me to understand computers and to become a programmer because it helped me to understand and it, it helped me to have a, a paradigm for the subconscious mind. Yep. Because it's also a computer. Fabulous. And so when I, when I was in practice, I always had a computer there and I was always trying to, to kind of combine uh, the, the silicon computer uh, on my desk with this carbon-based computer that is, you know, that was my patient's. Mm -hmm. And so what I was able to do is create this system, this very extensive uh, mind mapping knowledge-based system now that we call the body code. And, um, and the body code is a way that we can uh, really open the subconscious mind and get any answers about anything else besides emotional baggage. Although 
the body code includes the emotion code. It's in there too. But um, so much of what people suffer from is due to their emotional baggage. Uh, I needed to get the emotion code book out first to the world so that people could understand that. And then um, what happened to me was about a year after the emotion code came out, I woke up one morning and my mind was full of instruction. And the instruction was you need to take everything that you've learned about natural healing and put it into a self-study course that anyone can learn and make it available to everyone everywhere. And, um, and I remember how, what a strange thing this was to wake up and to be told this. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I remember kind of lying there thinking, well, are you sure about this? This, this seems like it could be quite a bit of work. And, and it was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of work. It took about a year to create the first version of the body code. And then in 2013, uh, we took another year and redid it again. And, um, and that's the body code 2.0. And now we're hard at work on, on another version. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but it's, yeah. it's really fun. What do you think about the role of food in all this? Well, I think that, um, I think like you're saying, that um, we use food as a way to deal with emotion. And so uh, in many, many cases, people end up being emotional eaters and they end up weighing mm -hmm. a lot more than they should because they're trying to get some comfort somewhere. They're trying to deal with what's going on in their minds with their emotions. And so food is the old standby. We know that plate of brownies is going to taste good or that, you know, those three <laughs> pizzas. In fact, I have to tell you, um, one of the most successful uh, cases that I saw where someone used the emotion code to lose a lot of weight was a, uh, a man that came to one of our events, and uh, he told us that a year before, he weighed um, 365 pounds, and he weighed about 185 pounds at this event, so he literally lost about 180 pounds. He lost mm. in one year about 180 pounds. And I asked him how he did it. And he said that, uh, that what he would do is, um, and he had tried to lose weight before with all kinds of different things, nothing worked. He said he didn't change anything except one thing. When he would have an urge to eat something that he knew he should not really eat, like the whole pan of brownies or whatever, <laughs> he would stop and he would test himself and ask himself, okay, do I have a trapped emotion that is creating this urge for me to eat this whole mm -hmm. can of brownies. And he would get a yes answer. He would find the emotion in the chart and release it, which would probably only take about a minute or so. And that urge then would pass. And th he said that's all he did. And so uh, in one year, lost basically the equivalent of a 180-pound of a guy that he was mm -hmm. hauling around. And he wow. looks great after a year. Talk about baggage. Wow. <laughs> right. Well, think about it. See, we, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we all have this emotional baggage that's causing us to do things we'd rather not do, that's causing us to travel paths we'd rather not take, and that's causing us to mm -hmm. uh, eat more than we should or eat the wrong kinds of things, etc. cetera. And, uh, and yet we can't seem to stop ourselves. Now, uh, we can be addicted to food, of course, and we can be addicted to all kinds of things. And what we find is that very, very often, emotional baggage is a big underlying piece of that puzzle. Um, for example, uh, I was talking with somebody just recently who, who um, had an addiction to pornography and was able to get over that addiction by removing the trapped emotions 
of mm-hmm. lust and shame and so on that were driving that, and then um, made a, made an enormous change. So this is the kind of thing that we see. And I think somewhere in your book you talk about an addiction kind of frequency or vibration that is um, yes. maybe in the heart or something? It's in the body code. It's something that we call um, an addictive heart energy. Now, mm-hmm. let me explain this. Um, what happened was, uh, I think this was about, uh, I think about nine or ten years ago, uh, we were contemplating why it is that people will give up one addiction only to turn to another addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is very, very common, you know. Um, yep. So and so doesn't drink anymore, but now, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's doing something else. And it's it's very common. Mm-hmm. And so what we found was something that we call an addictive heart energy. So he, let me explain. Um, and and what we believe, okay, about this, and what I believe about this is that before we come into this world, we live in uh, in this existence with the higher power, with God, Creator, Source, Energy, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, and it's an extremely high vibration of energy, where we're surrounded with unconditional love and perfection and everything that we need, mm-hmm. and then we're born, and we're born in this world where the energy vibration of this world is very, very low, mm-hmm. and um, and so then. Uh, we want to get back there. The, within each one of us, I believe, in the deepest part of each one of our hearts, we want to get back there where we came from. But we can't right now. And so uh, so then things start happening to us uh, as well as we're living our lives. And we go through, we, maybe we get bullied or we go through divorces or, or uh, relationship breakups or bad jobs. And so we start to develop trapped emotions. Sometimes we feel like our heart's going to break. And so the subconscious mind puts up a wall around the heart made of those layers of emotional baggage and then your heart not only can your your heart not get back to where it would like to get back to which is the home we left but also now your heart is surrounded with all these layers of emotional energy things like failure and Mm -hmm. grief and panic and hatred and guilt and so on and so what happens sometimes then is because we can't get back where we really want to go this energy will get created sometimes in the heart that um, it's like a black hole, like a little black hole of energy in the heart. You know, a black hole, they say, um, has a gravitational field so powerful because it's formed by a, a huge star that collapses on itself. And, uh, and so the gravitational field is so powerful that not even a beam of light can escape it. If you were on the surface of a black hole with a flashlight, it, it wouldn't work because the light the gravity is too strong to even allow the light to go, uh, to escape it. And so this is kind of what this is. In the heart, you develop this little um, addictive heart energy. It's like a little black hole. And what it does is it, it attracts things into your life that, um, that aren't necessarily good for you. Uh, mm-hmm. And it drives this addiction, this addictive behavior. And so what we see sometimes is that when we remove that addictive heart energy, and by the way, this only seems to form in the presence of a heart wall. So you had to have a heart mm-hmm. wall. Not everybody does, but 90, 93% of people do end up with a heart wall in their lives. When we clear that energy, um, it changes how uh, people feel. And oftentimes, those addictive behaviors will suddenly just be broken. I remember, um, for me... Uh, when we figured this out, we were actually in New York City. I think it was 2000, uh, 
2011. It was the tenth year, tenth anniversary. We were there for uh, we were doing an event, uh, my daughters and I, and uh, I found that I had the same thing going on with myself. So we cleared it from me, this addictive heart energy. The next day, somehow I made it back uh, home, and the next morning was Monday morning, and my, uh, my little girl, who's 19 now, um, she was uh, 10 or 11 or so, she would come into the room, my, she'd come into my office every morning, she and I were the first ones always up, and she would come into the office in the morning, every morning, and, and we would snuggle for a little bit, and then I'd go on with my day, and she would go on with hers, well, this day, this Monday, she came in, and I gave her a hug and a squeeze and gave her a kiss, and then, and then I thought, you know what? I don't really need to work today. And see, my, my issue was that I was a workaholic. See, I was addicted to work. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, with that gone, I took the day off, and mm -hmm. she and I went shopping. So, oh. And <laughs> do you think, done. yeah, that's so cool. Do you think that, that that addiction, heart energy, is that quest to be with spirit, that quest to get to that place. I think so, yes. I think that what's happening with, uh, with so many people in the world is that, um, you know, with all of us, what happens is we're born into this world into a state of total amnesia. There's a veil that's placed over our minds. We don't remember where we were before. Mm -hmm. uh, all we know is what we, uh, what we have here. This is all we know, all we've ever known from the time we're born. And so, uh, but in, inside of each one of us, we have this deep, deep longing to mm -hmm. get back to where we came from. And so we, because we can't get back there right now, we try all kinds of other things to try to assuage that need. And so uh, we might do, uh, we might become an adrenaline junkie, or we might lose ourselves in, in alcohol or drugs, sex, or whatever it might be, because we're trying to fill that need. Let me share a story with you. Um, mm -hmm. I was uh, 18 years old, and I was sitting one day meditating quietly, and all of a sudden, that veil that divides us from our life before was parted in some way to me. And um, the result of this was that I, I went from one moment just sitting quietly meditating to the next instant every particle of my being was filled to overflowing with the most absolutely overwhelming un unearthly feeling of homesickness mm. that I, I can't really even describe it it was just <sighs> devastatingly powerful mm. and uh it it just lasted for about three or four seconds, and then that little window closed somehow. Mm. And I mean, I, it's so wow. hard to describe. But it like gave that. you a point of reference, didn't it? Yes, it did. I realized yeah. from that experience that we truly are strangers here in this world. And I also realized that if we did not have uh, that veil of forgetfulness that is somehow placed upon us mm -hmm. in this world but we would not be able to stand it in this world mm -hmm. for five minutes because we have fallen so far mm -hmm. uh, we're in so much lower of a, of a vibrational energy in such a different world from the world we came from and uh, so that experience taught me that and I, I wish I could relay uh, to your listeners what that felt like but um, I guess if you were to take the, 
the most homesick you ever felt in your whole life that where you were just you just felt like you were going to cry because you were so homesick and if you if you magnified that i don't know a million times yeah i i i can't describe it but anyway well so doesn't it doesn't doesn't it give empathy in a way for depression that a lot of people might might be feeling well, absolutely, yes. And one of the things that we have found with the emotion code is that depression is very, very often, most often, uh, caused by emotional baggage. And the worst cases of depression that I've ever seen, people were who literally had to decide each day when they got up if they were going to live or die that day or if that was going to be the day they ended their life. That's how depressed these people were. I've seen people that bad turn around completely in a matter of days when the heart wall is removed. Mm -hmm. Wow. So what does that tell you? That's so cool. That is just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I know you've written about people who, who will indicate that it's not time to remove all of that heart wall or, or they may, might remove part of one or one wall, but maybe there's another. So, you know, absolute respect for the timing that, you know, needs to happen with all this. Well, yes, and that's why in the emotion code process, uh, what we do is if you ask someone, do you have a trapped emotion or do you have a heart wall, for example, if the subconscious mind responds back, yes, that they do, the next question is always, can we remove or can we release an emotion from your heart wall now? And sometimes the subconscious mind will say no. Mm -hmm. uh, but my experience is that um, if, you, if you give the subconscious mind a week or so to think about it and kind of weigh the pros and cons, uh, it will, in my experience, it will always come back and say, yeah, it's okay, let's go ahead and start removing these because it's always better to not have that wall. Mm -hmm. That wall is put up, you see, around our hearts when our hearts feel like they're going to break. And so it's like the bombs are falling, and so we need uh, to move our heart into a bunker. But you don't want to live the rest of your life with your heart in a bunker. That would be a mistake. No, but the wall is really there to be protective. I mean, it's meant in a, in a good way, even though there's a, quite a price to pay. Yeah, exactly right. Is there anything that you want to add or that I didn't ask that you want to highlight? People can, of course, buy the Emotion Code book on Amazon. They can, mm -hmm. uh, they can get it on Audible. Yep. Uh, so it's the audio there. I gave you, you can, quite a nice review there on Audible, by the way. I did oh, indeed. Oh, you did? Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll have to go read that. Yeah. Um, it starts with DH. That's, I think it's there as DH. But that's Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll go read that when we get done. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my advice to your listeners is just um, you have to try this because so um, good. people all over the world are finding out that uh, emotional baggage is real. And mm -hmm. uh, the beautiful thing about this is that you can identify your own emotional baggage. You can start healing yourself emotionally from all the junk that you've been through, from all of uh, from, well, from the inherited emotional energy that you uh, picked up at conception from mom or dad mm -hmm. that might go back for generations. Uh, sometimes we find things in the womb. It can be amazing how powerful this is. I worked on a woman um, uh, at an event recently who uh, sounded like Darth Vader. Um, you oh, know, my goodness. She, my, my name is uh, such and such, you know, and that's how wow. she was, everyone could hear her breathing in this whole, uh, this whole auditorium. Mm. And uh, I found that she had, uh, she had some trauma that had happened to her at birth 
and we cleared that and she's had 12 surgeries on her throat and all of a sudden within about 30 seconds or so she's speaking like a normal person again it's amazing what can happen but we're living in the age of the heart uh, we're living in a, in a wonderful time when the true nature of our bodies is finally being revealed and how to deal with uh, these energy bodies is also finally being revealed and uh, it's a great time to be alive and the emotion code is yes. so easy that kids can do it and so you can try it and uh, that's my advice just try it out and see what happens you know it's so true this world is in this transformational process but uh, I believe how we're going to complete that transformational process uh, a big piece of that is through healing uh, <laughs> And uh, we have to bring the animals with us and we have to bring um, yeah. our ancestors with us because they all belong to this planet. Uh, it's not just us. So well, this is the age of empowerment. In fact, our motto uh, for Discover Healing, our domain, mm -hmm. discoverhealing.com, mm -hmm. our motto uh, and our, our company uh, slogan and purpose is uh, healing the world by empowering you. Excellent. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. Great to connect.